appreciate everyone being here. I enjoy seeing more and more people every every week. It's it's good to see. All right, let's uh, go to God in prayer real quick, and then we'll uh, continue on in class. Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the many blessings you give us. We thank you for the freedom and the opportunity we have to come here to worship you, to, to sing to you, to partake in the communion, to remember your death, Lord, and just the opportunity we also have to study and learn from your word and take what we learn and, and hopefully just take it out into the world and, and use it to bring others to you, Lord. I ask that you be with us as we continue through this class. I hope it is something that is, allow us to, again, not just hope, allow us to use it for something that's productive and to apply to our hearts and, and learn from and, and maybe change our perspectives a little bit on some things, Lord. And I just ask that you bless us as we go through this. I ask that you be with our country as we're going through a tough time with everything going on, not only COVID, but racial tensions and other tensions. And just ask that you allow us to, to unify to put our differences aside and come together in what we can find mutual ground on. Again, I thank you for allowing us to be here, study for you, in Christ we pray. Amen. So we're going to continue today our, our, our series that I've just named Neighbor, and it's all based off Luke 10, 29, where the lawyer asks, you know, who is my neighbor? And, and what I did, what I tried to do last week, and the reason I did this, is I wanted to look at it from a different perspective first, and that is from the kind of the idea of the lawyer and how we sometimes justify things or try to, I guess, manipulate maybe some of the things that are said or in the Bible or to our, to our own advantage, right? And that's what he was trying to do when he asked the question that we're going to get ready to look at. And so, you know, the, the lawyer is asking what he must do to receive eternal life, and so Jesus, as Jesus often did, turned it around on him. He said, well... What does, the, what does the law say? And a lot, of, a lot of scholars believe that this was after the time where they had tried to trick Jesus and he answered with, um, you know, with the greatest commandment, does love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so the lawyer, or the, the, the lawyer answered Jesus that and said, well, this is it. And so Jesus said, right, go and do. But then the lawyer took it one step further and because he was trying to, you know, so who really is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And so that's the, the verse, if you look in Luke 10, 29. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And so that's what we're going to look at today. Last week we kind of looked at some of the excuses that we make, some of the things we do, you know, to justify some things. But today we're actually going to look at who is my neighbor, and what's interesting on this is it's, it's going to be someone, and, and I like how Jesus said, it's someone who's different than you. It's not just someone who's just like you, right? Same politics, same all that stuff. It's going to be someone who has different politics than you. It's going to be someone who's from a different generation than you. It's going to be someone who has a different education than you. It's going to be someone who looks different than you, whether it's skin color or someone who's covered from head to toe in tattoos and piercings, right? It's going to be someone that might speak a different language or have a different accent than you do. It may be someone from another country. Maybe they're here illegally. That's going to be your neighbor. Someone who is different 
than you. And so pay attention to, to this particular set of verses because not because uh, because Jesus could have answered this and said who his neighbor was. He could have just plain out said, this is who your neighbor is. But he didn't just do that. Not only did he say who your neighbor is, he told them how to be a neighbor. And that's the, that's the difference that we're going to look at. Jesus could have just said, well, this is who your neighbor is. All right? He could have said everyone. He could have, Jesus could have just said, everyone's your neighbor no matter what. But he didn't stop there. He told them who his neighbor was, and then he showed them how they are to be that neighbor. So if we look, let's go through Luke 10, verses 30 through 37. And Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. This was a dangerous road anyways. And so we continue on in verse 31. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed the other side of the road and passed him by. Now, there's many reasons why people believe that the priest walked and passed by. Um, a priest of that time, there was a lot of Jewish customs and laws, and if he would have touched that man, he would have been considered unclean. He wouldn't have been able to do some of his duties for a while, and, and there would have been a lot of things around that. And I think sometimes, like this priest, we use religion to get in the way of us being a neighbor. And I think that's something that we need to be careful about and pay attention to. The next verse, a temple assistant or Levite walked over and looked at him lying there, but also passed by on the other side. Again, someone who has a religious affiliation, the ones who you would think would stop and help him, come up with either some kind of reason or excuse not to stop and help this man. And this is where this next verse is where I like the New Living Translation here. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. So this was a Samaritan who, like this version of the Bible says, was despised by the Jewish people he was telling the story to. And more than likely, the the Samaritan despised the Jews. These two people hated each other. It was 700 years of hate that had built up from Jews who had lived in other lands, had children with non-Jews in the, in the lands that they were uh, had been taken over and pulled back to. And so they were considered half-breeds. They were considered less than dogs in most Jewish customs and, and society and so each of these two and I'll give you an example I, I heard someone talking about this and this would be the same uh, the same relevance of if Jesus was speaking to Jewish people today he would have said then a Nazi came along right if he was speaking to a, a group of black people he might say a, a KKK member came along that's the same level of of hate and and this man, word I'm looking for there level of hate that these two people had for each other. So it would have been a jaw dropping statement that the Jews would have heard whenever he told this story. So then he goes on 
So not only does he go over, to, he's going over to help him. The Samaritan soothes his wounds with olive oil, wine, and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. So not only did he go and bandage him, he brought him up and then took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I am here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the, G- the bandits, Jesus asked. And obviously the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. So again, this again is the opposite of what you would expect when Jesus twisted this story or flipped this story around. Because usually you would think the, the priest... And the Levite, well, they would stop and help anyone who was injured because they're godly people. You know, they're, they're followers of God. And surely a Canaanite's not going to stop. I'm sorry, not Canaanite. My mind just went completely blank. Samaritan <laughs> is not going to stop and help a Jew. In fact, the Samaritan would more than likely be glad that it happened to him and taunt him as he walked by him. But that's not what happened. And that's what we're supposed to be. And, and Martin Luther King gave a good analogy on this, and I like this quote that he said, the first question the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the good Samaritan reversed the question and said, if I do not stop and help this man, what will happen to him? And I think we need to ask that sort of question. If we see something or see someone that's different than us, or maybe not in line with us, put ourselves in their perspectives and say, you know, what happens if I am not a neighbor to this person? What will happen to him? Not what will happen to me, what will, not what the effects will be for me, but what will the effects be for him? So, going into this, this study, I, I've tried to put a lot of energy and a lot of time and research behind a lot of these things because... I'm going to be honest with you, there's a lot of things I've had to come over, and I talked about that a little bit um, last week in, in a lot of these things. So I was like, so I want to see the question, why do people become racist? And, and looking at this, there, there, there's probably a lot of reasons, but I think more than anything it boils down to, to three different reasons. Oh, well, let me describe... Let me, let me do that, because... I think the, the term racism and prejudice has gotten, gotten skewed a little bit. You know, if you actually looked at the definition of racism, racism was a, a hate for a particular race to the point of you want to see them dead and, and, and gone, right? Just simply because they remember it. And so what we, we tend to call racism nowadays has... has was, and, and I, I put a lot of this, and I meant to put it in this one, is more prejudice, right, of what we see. What, what people term as full-on, full-blown racism is more or prejudice or thinking that you are better than someone else. So when we talk about it, make sure that we're, we're looking at it that way. I, I'm not saying that, I don't know, maybe there are, I don't think there are, um, that, that, that people are full-blown like, you know, well, I hate African Americans, and I hope they all die, and you know that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about that kind of racism. 
I'm talking about racism in the, in the sense that I think I am better than you solely based on the color of my skin and the color of your skin or where you're from or, you know, and, and I'm not going to talk about it just from a, a black and white issue today either because it, it goes beyond just that. You know, there's, there's prejudices against, and we're going to look at this a little bit, people who are different from us in, in several different aspects, not just skin color or nationality or those type of things. Is that clear to, okay. When I moved up north with my accent, <laughs> they don't talk right up there. And I actually, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there are folks, and I'm not, this is not a blanket statement, obviously there's good people everywhere, but there are some folks up north that feel like they're superior to us others. Yeah. They'll tell you that. Yeah. And, and we're going to look at some of that. We're going to look at some of that today. But, but three reasons I think racism and prejudice the three core, I'll say. The first one, and I talked about this a little bit, is a victim being a victim of wrongdoing. So I talked about my personal experience last week of growing up in, in Augusta on a, the street that we grew up on. And because there were black people on that street who were mean to me just because I was white, my mindset got wrong, or was wrong, because of that, right? And it's the same thing. There's black people who hate white people because of the way they've been treated. There's, there's, there's a ton of different victim. There's, there's women who hate men because they were abused by men, right? There's men who hate women because they were mistreated. And so when it comes to prejudice and, and, and these types of things, I, I think this is one of the main reasons why you see this is because they were done wrong by some particular race or some particular gender or some particular whatever. And so then they... they then they turn that around and it's like, well, everyone's like that. You know? and, and that's not, I won't say that's their fault, that's, that's human reaction, that's human nature. The second one is, they're taught that. And, and we see that a lot in society. We see where, you know, families are taught that, or children are taught that, you know, you are better than a black person. We're, we're taught that you're better than a Hispanic person, right? Where to see, we see, and I've seen... I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, in some senses where men are taught that they're better than women, or vice versa. Women are taught that, that you know, they're, they're better and more superior to men, and, and all these other things. You know, one of the, I heard someone quote, and I forget who, who said it, was you are not born racist, right? You're not born with hate in your heart. It's something that you, you learn. You know, the, 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 I can't remember who it was. But, uh, but they said, basically, you're not born that way. I have a two-year-old. The only thing they hate is naps, right? And so you, the, the, we don't, we're not just born this way. I, I, you, know, you don't come out of the womb and, and you're three years old and all of a sudden just hate people for, for no reason. And then lastly, it's just ignorance, right? We don't know. If something's different than, uh, than, than what we, we see or something's different from us. And so what do we tend to do when things are different? And we don't understand them. <laughs> we, we hate them sometimes. Go ahead, so, so. You pull back, right? So we, we're afraid sometimes of things that are different than us. Or that are different, period. We like the, the things that are comfortable, things that are like us. And again, that's, that, all that goes back to human nature. But in the end... What it all goes back to, racism and prejudice is not a skin issue, it is a sin issue. 
It is part of, when, we, when, when humans fail, when Adam and Eve fail, it is part of the sin that entered this world. Adam and Eve did not notice anything about themselves until they sinned. They did not notice their, obviously, skin color. Probably wouldn't have been a lot of, you know, they were them. But they didn't notice that they were even naked until the fact that they actually sinned. And that's when this, this type of stuff entered the world. And, and we've got to be careful with this. We've got to be careful that we do not put ourselves above others no matter what, whether it's a race issue, a, a gender issue, a Christian or non-Christian issue, right? If I'm a Christian and someone else is not a Christian. Because they say, James says in James 2.9, but if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin you are guilty of breaking the law. No matter what, it doesn't matter if it's skin color, whatever it is, if you put yourself other over, other over, over other people, sorry, or think that you are better than someone else, you are committing a sin. So how do we, and this is the, the, the biggest thing for me, and it's a lot that I've learned. I mean, I've honestly, I, when I say this, I'm not just saying this because I'm up here. I have honestly learned a lot in the last couple of weeks by talking to people. And I'm going to look at that a little bit. But how do we recognize this? How do we recognize our own prejudices, right? Or, or maybe some form of racism that we have. How do we recognize that? Now, there's three things or three ways that I think we can recognize any prejudices that we have. And this is hard because sometimes when you, when you, you don't realize these things. And, and I'm going to use a term here that, that a lot of you probably are not going to like, and I, I used to hate this word. But it, it's kind of a, what they, they term an unconscious type bias, right? Those things actually exist. I used to hate the term, right? I, I used to say, no, it doesn't. But when, when we say this, we're not saying that you're just some evil person and you do not recognize it, right? It's There's things that you've just learned and there's things that you, you think just because of your experiences in life, right? doesn't make you bad. It doesn't, you know, either way. It's, it's human nature, so I, right? And so sometimes those things are hard. And it's like not intentional. It's not on purpose. It's just things that we sometimes recognize or do. And so the, I'm going to look at what a prejudice is, right? It's prejudging, right? It's a preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience is the, is the definition. Well, some people will say, well, Chad, you talk about that it's your actual experience. Now, when I say that you're prejudging someone, you're prejudging a particular person or a particular group of people based on one person or one action, not the whole group's action, right? And so let's look at some common prejudices. Go ahead. No, I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm you know, I, I, if if you're if you're racist, then by definition you're already prejudiced. I mean, you. I'm trying to say, but racist, as you indicated, is 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 a little more intense. Yeah. 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 Prejudice leads to full-on prejudice leads to full-on racism. Uh, maybe I'll put it that way, right? And so, in order to be racist, you have to be prejudiced first. 
So some common prejudices that we can go by here. Some of y'all might have seen these or, or felt these at some time. Fat people are lazy. That's a common prejudice, right? <laughs> Rich people are greedy, right? And we're going through a lot of that. We see a lot of that now with the, the one percenter movements that all rich people are evil and greedy and they want to keep the poor people down, right? The younger generation doesn't work or are lazy or a lot of things, right? Old people are grumpy and mean. <laughs> How about all Muslims are terrorists? All homosexuals hate the church. All Christians hate homosexuals. And then lastly, white men can't jump. <laughs> I'll put that one in there, and then I'll go to the next one. But why? Go ahead. There's a lot of prejudice against racism. I yeah. didn't realize when I moved here, because Spanish people asked me where I learned Spanish, and I'm like, well, I am Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> 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 because I guess I have the green card and they don't and I didn't realize they're Cubans and Mexicans I mean there's a, there's a kind of a race thing going on with the Spanish community now. And and I'm glad and I'm glad you mentioned that that there are it's not just white people that are racist, right? <laughs> <laughs> But I didn't realize how much of it, you know, Guatemalans don't like Mexicans, Cubans <laughs> think they're better than Dominicans, Puerto Ricans think they're better than everybody else. Yeah. And it's a, it's a lot. It's, it's bad in yeah. the Spanish yeah. So it's not just white people. No, no, no. And, and, and I'm going to talk to that here, here in a second because the last one that I'm going to put up here, white people are racist, right? All white people are racist, right? And that's not the case. That, that's a prejudice. So a lot of my conversations that I have, and, and, and I've, I've learned a lot. But you know what? We, I've learned in a lot of things, and I already knew this. There is racism and prejudice no matter what nationality you are, no what, what matters what skin color you are, what, whatever, you know. Now, you have your, your crazies, and this is why I, I say crazy. I probably shouldn't use the term crazy. That, that's, that's a prejudice. But this is why last week I told you to turn off Fox News, turn off CNN, to turn off all your, your the, 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 because when you sit down and just talk with people and, and you get rid of the, 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 the us versus them on, on both sides, you, you will learn a lot. And, and, and then lastly, I'll, I'll put this in here. If you have to say this, then you probably should stop talking. So first, recognize the fact that, yes, we all have some sort of prejudice because why? We're humans. We're sinful, right? It doesn't, you know, doesn't make one particular person horrible, more horrible. We all have our sins. We all have our things that we deal with. 
Second, and I think this is probably the most important one. Well, maybe not, but still, it's important. Seek to understand others. This is what I, I just mentioned, why I mentioned turning off the news and turning off large portions of your social media and talk radio and different things. Because on that, it, all of those, all of those, <clears throat> no matter what side, is designed to keep you coming back, keep you engaged. It is a us versus them mentality. And that is not a Christian mentality. It is not an us versus them. And so what we need to do is seek to understand. Because most of us have a very limited understanding. Most of us have our bubbles that we grew up in, that we lived in, our experiences, and that's, why, that's how we base our worldviews and, and our, on our local views of how we see and how we see things. So one way to seek understanding, or I think the best way to seek understanding from others, is to have a conversation. And so I asked last week, I asked y'all to, to do this, to have conversations. Did anyone in here sit down and have conversations with someone different from them? Okay. Okay. All right. Frankie? Me and Frankie have had conversations, not as much as I would like to, and that's a lot of it's my fault. But I've had several conversations from what I would consider people on the other side of the aisle for me when it comes to some of this stuff, just to, to have, to seek to understand. And here's three things I learned. This is personal to me. You can take it or leave it however you want to, but these are the three things that I've kind of learned and oh, I thought you had your hand raised. <laughs> that's all right so again these are, are personal to me maybe some of it's my opinion you don't have to agree with it but these are the three things that I've learned and the first and before you freak out let me explain privilege exists now what I don't mean by that is that only white privilege exists and that you know it, it you know that's not what I mean, right? What I mean by that is people everywhere, every person in this building right now was born into privilege because they were born in the United States of America. All right? <laughs> well, I, I know what you're saying, Frankie. No, 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 no. You don't have to Because, Frankie, honestly, with this conversation that we're having, you're the only one who can talk to a lot of it, right? I don't say the only one, but with, but with a lot of the experience. But when I, when I say that, even if there are some levels of inequality, right? Which I, I think we have to admit that there are so at times. And there have been in the past. Even being an African American born into the United States, there's still privilege there. Right? And that's because we are. We are the richest country. We're, we're, you know, our poorest people on, on the lowest part, our homeless, are better off than some of the well to do people in other countries. I was born into privilege with the fact that I have a mother and a father who stayed together, did not divorce. So. When, when people talk about privilege, I used to think, 
I used to totally, if anyone had brought the privilege subject up, I, just, I would just shut it off. I'm like, no, I'm not listening to that. We're all equal. We all have the same things. We're all, but that's not true. Yeah, and, and, and that's where. So some people are born into, let me put it, someone's born in the ghetto, right? If you're born in a ghetto, I, I'm not going to say you can't get to here because there's tons of stories where you can. But it's a lot harder for someone who's born in the ghetto to get to here versus someone who's already right here. And so when, when that's what I've learned. Well, you know, I used to immediately just, if anyone said this word, I would just shut them off. I'm like, no, no, no. Everyone has the same opportunity. Everyone has the same abilities. Everyone has the, but that's not true. Maybe in this conversation we're having, we need to describe and understand what they mean by privilege. Uh, because I've been accused of having privilege for things that I didn't have initially. Right. They grew up poor and had to bust my behind to get them. Yeah. I don't consider that privilege. I'll read the definition uh, here. You know, and, and, and your mom and I have determined to stay together, yes. where some people determine not to. I don't consider that privilege. I consider it a choice. But uh, see, the thing is, is I, but yeah, so like, for example, I, I did not choose to be born into y'all's, to, to you guys, right? You got, yeah, I was blessed, right? And, and that's where, so when we say privilege, it is a special right an advantage or, or immunity granted or available only to a particular person or group. So when, you know, there are people who are born into divorced households, right, or households that eventually divorced, or single-parent families, they had no choice in that. that so, so they had no control. And, and this is the thing, and this was someone I was talking to said this to me, said, Chad, privilege is not a good or bad thing, right? He goes, I do not condemn you or condemn someone else for having a certain privilege, yes, I condemn how they use that privilege. And so there's people who are born into very rich, very well-to-do households, right? And they can use that for good, or they can use that to keep others down, right? Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Yep. Yes. Yep. down there yep so th that's what I learned you know because like I said I used to immediately shut myself off when anyone would say this and so that means it's not evil it's not particularly good it's just the fact that you, you people are born into situations where they have a leg up on other people one of the other things that was interesting to me was one of the gentlemen I was talking to he said look as a black man, I have privilege, privileges or privilege in certain areas that you don't. He said, you could not come into the black community and try to convince someone of something or talk to them the same way I could. You know, so it goes multiple, it goes multiple ways and it goes different ways. But some of the things we need to look at here is, is, a, is a historical context to some of this. And, and that's where I, I think we, we shut off immediately and we don't pay attention. Now, I'm, again, I'm not saying that Every white person in the United States is born is born a you know way ahead of everyone else, but there are certain aspects sometimes that being born white 
does give you a little bit of privilege. And, and this is an example I'll use before you guys crucify me up here for saying it. All right? Study recently took resumes, and, and I know this is one example, but this is, a, this is a true example. There's no faking this. There was no manipulating the data here. They took thousands of resumes and applied for thousands of jobs, and the only two differences between the two resumes were one thing, the first name. They used a white name, and they used a black name. The person with the white name was two and a half more times likely to get a call back for a job interview than the person with the black name. Now, not the white person's fault. Not the black person's fault, right? But that is something when we say sometimes, and this was the quote that was given to me, and he said, sometimes as a black man, I feel like I have to work twice as hard sometimes to get to where other people's get a little bit easier. Again, I'm not saying that is everyone's fault in here. He wasn't blaming anyone. He was blaming, he was... Trying to be controversial, y'all, because I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm on top of this. I'm glad we're having this conversation. But by the same token, there, I had white friends who were born into a lot better off families than I. I was poor and dirt. So, <clears throat> so then, then they had white, white privilege. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, in a, they, they, I, would, I would call it economic, economic privilege, right? They were born into a, a better socioeconomic area than you were. And so you did have to, you know, I, I know you, you tell us stories about growing up on, on, a, on the street that you grew up on. And you had kids who, parents owned businesses or whatever, and they were just given everything. And if you wanted something, you had to work twice as hard for it. So that's not to say that it's just African Americans or just Mexicans or just whatever that have to work harder. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a way of life, Right? It's part of the. It's part. Of, not everything's equal, but we. I, I, the one thing I think, and this is where my thing that I've learned, is we have to recognize that it does exist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was say, no. Speaking of, I, no. No. You're not. You're not. Have, no one's. No. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I can joke with her. And that's yeah. And to oh, sorry. Go ahead. But yeah, that's 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 just the way. And 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 to her point, and this is what I'm I'm trying to make sure everyone understands: privilege is not good or bad, right? We you know, in the middle, most people now on the left and maybe on the right, you're going to see crazy things about, well, just crazy stuff, and I don't have time to get into it, right? 
But that's why I said shut all that noise off. Because when you sit down and actually talk and you see where they're coming from, it's just a recognition that these things do exist. And then what are you going to do with it? Or what are you going to do about it? Right? Exactly. And, and the, the thing is, is do something good with it if, if you're born into whatever privilege that you, you, you that exist. I, I, I could go on this for probably another, for the rest of the class. But anyways, I want to get into two more and then, and then try to finish up. The next one is, the American experience is different for different people. And, and I'm going to use Frank Increta here as an example, and I did not ask his permission to do this, so I hope he, this does not bother him. Frankie and Caritha were born into a different world than what most of us were. And what I mean by that is they were born into a world where they were told they were less because of the color of their skin. It was not until 1964 and 1966 and then into the 1970s that they were told by the U.S. government and other people that they were equal to everyone else. A lot of us think that that was a long time ago, right? A lot of y'all grew up. I, mean, I was born in 81. A lot of y'all grew up in this world, right? We don't have anyone here, but there were people who, when they were born, had to use different bathrooms or different locations because of the color of their skin, and that's it. Now, here's the main thing. That is not anyone in this room's fault. And the conversations I've had is, with everyone that I have had these conversations with, is they don't blame anyone who's around today. All right? Those were systems that were put in place before we were all born. And they've slowly been corrected. And they're still being corrected. And there's still a long way to go with some of those things. But here's what I want to say is we need to recognize that not everyone has the same American experience or the same life experience that we have. Right? I have never been followed around in a store just because I was a big African-American man. I've talked to people with these conversations who have. Right? They walk into a store and immediately they start being followed. And this isn't just a one-off thing happens on a regular basis. I haven't been pulled over and treated differently just because of the color of my skin. And those are things that, I, you know, they happen. Well, it's not right, but they happen, and we need to recognize that those things happen because there's evil in the world. Again, I'm not saying it's anyone in this room's fault. It's not my fault. Right? But if we recognize it and we see that it is, it is happening, then maybe there's more we can do about it and we can change it and be part of that. And here's the final and I think the most important thing that I've learned in this. Christ is the only uniter. It does not matter how many groups we get together, NAACP, does not matter what groups we have who are trying to unite people. None of them are going to be successful. The only place that is going to be successful in uniting everyone together 
is the church and is Christ. He is the only uniter. And yet, Sunday morning is the most <laughs> segregated hour of the week in America. And that's one. I, I don't know what to do about it. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I'm just being honest. You know, I mean, Christians should be at the forefront of this, but somewhere along the lines, it's just not worked out that way. And this is my note. Here's where I struggle with that. It is, that's the fact. Sunday mornings are the most segregated time in America. Have you ever been given an opportunity to preach in, in Valdosta Lake Park at an all-black church since you've been here? I've never been invited to do that. Is that what you're asking? Right. Yes, sir. No, sir. I, I preached for almost 10 months at uh, North Peoria Church of Christ in Tulsa, all, all African American. Well, to me and Kathy out there. Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was a wonderful experience. I, I mean, I, we loved every minute of it. It was, it was absolutely wonderful. But uh, I'm, I've said before, and I hope nobody takes this wrong, that if you can't preach in the African-American church, you're dead. Yeah. I, mean, it's, you get, you get, I mean, it's wonderful. And, and, and I loved it. But, but I'm just saying overall, you know, I don't. Brethren, I, I think, you know, they say it starts at home. And I, to, to me, that's where we can do the most good is, is, is to begin where we're at in the Lord's church. And Well, Marvin, you said something, and you asked the question, have you ever been invited? You have not been invited. I think that's one of our first starts that we can do is start inviting. We've had several African-American preachers come to our uh, BBS and things like that to talk. That's one way we can start is getting our ministers and their families and members of the church to be invited to a different congregation and go with them. I think that's one step we can do. And I add something to that. If you go to the African American or the black congregation, you better be ready to stay there about three or four hours. That's not making light of the issue. Yeah. That's no, the truth. That is the truth. That's true. And, and, and this is what I've been told. But because I've asked some uh, African American brethren, why why is there this? You know, and it's not just that. I mean, when we were in Augusta, Georgia, there were because of the military base and people marrying people from overseas. There there were Korean churches that were all Korean. Yep. You know, um, there were uh, Hispanic churches that was all Hispanic. Um, and so so it's just not you know the two. But uh, when I ask some African-American brethren, uh, even the, some of my preacher friends, you know, why, why they think this is, and, and they think, they say they don't think it's a prejudice thing. They just think it's cultural. They said black folk, as, as Frankie just moved to there, that black folk uh, worship different than, than us. <laughs> Y'all, <laughs> our, our worship sometimes can seem pretty <laughs> dead. Yeah. Uh, and, and they think that's more the difference than then, you know, um, I don't know. I did that, that as a minister. That, that's the one area that I think we need to really, really work on. Well, and so, y'all, sorry, guys. Don't realize that Sunday morning to the black to the black man and woman was the only time they felt free. That's right. They I understand the background. Most of the God on that yeah. Sunday morning yeah. or that time when right. they were allowed to exactly. get together and just let it all. Exactly. Through. Exactly. And so y'all just stole my notes for that. So that, that works. That works. But that, that's the thing. As the church, we, and I'm not saying that we need to just 
the blacks need to come down here and the whites need to go up there. We need to mix all, you know, just to make it right. It needs to be a natural thing, right? It, it needs to be a natural, and it's something we need to work towards. And the only way we're going to do it is having conversations, like it's actually having conversations. And then last, so the third thing, and I'm going to, I'm going to go five minutes over to the live stream, goes till 1020. Worship doesn't start till 10, uh, 1030. So I'm going to go five minutes over because I want to finish this. Love those who are different from us. That is the key. And I think this was the, the main focus that, that Jesus was trying to make in this is it's easy for a Jew to love a Jew, right? It was extremely hard to tell a Jew that he needed to love Samaritan. That was just unheard of. And so, how many of y'all in here have ever heard of Keisha Thomas? I never had. 1996 in Michigan, there was a KKK rally. All right, two groups showed up, the KKK and the protesters who were protesting the hate of the KKK. All right, one of the KKK members decided he was going to sneak behind enemy lines, and integrate himself in the crowd. Why he thought that was a good idea, I don't know. Obviously, he wasn't a very smart man from the beginning anyway. So they figured out who he was pretty easily because you can tell by his shirt who he was. They started screaming, kill the Nazi, and started beating the mess out of this man. Keisha Thomas, an 18-year-old African-American woman at the time, threw herself on top of this man, the man who hated her, and would, if it was the other way around, would probably have let them continue to beat her and stopped it. That is being a good Samaritan. And they asked her why, and she said it was because she was a committed believer. She said, I knew what it was like to be hurt the many times that it, that had happened. I wish someone would have stopped it for me. Thomas says she tries to do something to break down racial stereotypes every day. No grand gestures, just small things. The biggest thing you can do is just be kind to another human being. It can come down to eye contact, smile, or a smile. It doesn't have to be a huge monumental act. And I'm going to continue on. Racism and prejudice isn't just the absence of hate, or the presence of hate, I'm sorry. It is the absence of love. Right? What it is not. It is not. You know, what, what proves that we are a Christian or that we are a follower of Jesus? It is not our theology. It is not church attendance. Being here three times a week does not make you a Christian. Being baptized doesn't just make you a Christian. Giving doesn't just make you a Christian, etc. What makes you a Christian? Or what will the, how will the world know that you are a Christian? Anyone? By our love. John 13, 35, your, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. How does God love us? Unconditionally. How did God love us? In Romans, what does it say? Anyone? Romans 5, 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Sinners, sorry. What do we do then? Love like Jesus loved us. If it's someone who wants to kill you, you love that person. If it's someone who hates you, if it's someone who's different than you, if it's someone who wants to do you harm or can't stand you, you still love them. And if they are down, you take care of them. You help them. Galatians 3.28, There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Picture what heaven's going to look like. In fact, I can read it to you. 
Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation, tribe, and people, and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches into their hands, and they were shouting with great, a great roar, Salvation comes from our God, our God, who sits on the throne, and from the Lamb. And then to finish it off, Romans 10, 12, and 13. Jew and Gentile are the same. And we can put this in however, however we want to. Black and white, Hispanic, and, and, and Asian, you know, female, male, however we want to do it, are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives, every, gives generously to all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So the question is then, who is my neighbor? Everyone. All right, I'm sorry I went over four minutes, but I wanted to finish that because I think it's important. Now, I went through it really quick. But we, we've got to remember who our neighbors are. And, and in, the, in the thing that Jesus talks about here in Luke 10, our neighbor is not the ones who are easy to love, are not the ones who are just like us, not the easy ones to, 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 to say our neighbor. Our neighbor are the ones that are really, really, really hard for us to love.